Bienvenuti everybody. Welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits the Podium. And as you can see with the theme of this episode, it's all red, it's all flashy, it's all about Ferrari. We are right here at Monza this weekend. Well, we aren't, but we're going to speak about the Monza GP or the Italian GP. You get the idea, right? And there's a lot to talk about, including, firstly, the return of F1 Sprint. And it's a little bit sneaky, this one. We didn't expect it, but here we are. Time flies, doesn't it? More on the amazing battle between Verstappen and Hamilton and this time it's actually round 14 believe it or not then again we have stats preview by Sundram or F1 stats guru as he's now known as we analyze all the driver transfers and there are quite a few of them more on McLaren's uphill away battle against the home heroes in Ferrari will they have momentum on their side and also the wild cards is it time for some Pierre Gasly magic again in Monza all of this on this episode of the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits the Podium Hi there folks, bienvenuti, that's the theme of this episode here today. Welcome to the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pits the Podium. My name is Samuel Arora, joined by Kunal Shah. And if you're on the podcast, you can't quite see what Kunal is wearing. But if you're on the video, guys, look at it. A 2003 Ferrari t-shirt, the official jersey right there. Kunal, I think we're all straight on the theme right here. This is just a weekend of celebration everywhere. It is, and thank you for that introduction, Samuel. I must say, uh, I this is probably only the 15th or 18th time I'm wearing it. <laughs> I wear it once a year, just before the Italian Grand Prix. And I must say, even though I was working at Force India, I used to still wear this secretly at home, just because, <laughs> you know, you feel like a part of the Tifosi. And yeah. after seeing the Orange Army over the weekend at Sanfoot, it's time now for the Tifosi to entertain us. Uh, the original fanatic, fans of Formula One. The Orange Armies, of course, come up with Max Verstappen or maybe McLaren, depending who you support. But yes, the original fanatic fandom of being a Formula One fan, the Tifosi, as you know, we've known them. So Temple of Speed, that's you said we're in Monza. Yes, our hearts are in Monza, even though we are remotely recording through the cloud using Zoom and several other softwares trying to get this episode out to you guys in audio and in video. And Somil, there are lots of things to preview this weekend. It is the end of another triple header on the 2021 Formula One season. And thank goodness, for now at least, it's the last triple header. We could have had another one straight after this one, but please, please, no more. But coming to Monza, <laughs> right, this is absolutely fantastic. Every year we come back in, every year we see those scenes. And what a shame it was not to see Pierre Gasly celebrating with the D4C. But thankfully, they are going to be back this year. And that'll be quite the sight. But normally Monza as well, Templar Speed, as you rightly mentioned, Kunal, a very fun circuit in terms of qualifying, very fun circuit in terms of drafting. Which brings us firstly to F1 Sprint. It's finally back again. Of course, after a couple of months, and this is going to be a bit of a weird thing to do, Kunal, because we're having a Grand Prix prediction competition again, start of the second half of the season, where you can predict the pole time and win a red Ferrari Puma bag if you're an Indian resident. So check out our social media for more on that. But it's absurd. Now we have to predict not for the qualifying, but for Q3, and that's not the pole sitter. Feels odd to say, but I think this is the first time we can objectively judge F1 sprint, now that we can put our emotions away for the first time. Yes, it's a, re it's a return of the F1 sprint. It's literally the second time we will have the chance to like it or maybe even dislike it a little more, depending which side of the fence you sit on. But I think the, the characteristics of Monza 
literally uh, add to the whole entertainment that F1 Sprint is supposed to give. You know, you said slipstream, you said drafting. These were the two words that, uh, and the toe are the three words we will mm. hear, hear all weekend long. So I expect that, uh, you know, there should be a lots of uh, overtaking or at least uh, there should be a lots of battles, uh, you know, in the F1 Sprint. And guys, remember, this is only the second time F1 Sprint is happening in history. But that is, uh, you know, experience enough for Formula One teams to actually do better the second time around. They've they've sort of learned from their mistakes. They've gathered all the data and all the experience from the first time around that we had it in Silverstone. So let's see what we actually get this weekend, right? And uh, uh, I'm 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 glad because tomorrow's qualifying. So you know, we are literally in the business end of the weekend, starting from tomorrow. And to me. Guessing the pole lap is always so much more fun, Samuel, than yeah. any other sort of, uh, you know, prediction leagues that, you know, I would be a part of. I, frankly, I've been a part of all the fantasy league competitions and so on. And after a point, it's just like, ah, the you know, just guessing the pole position time. And I know the first time we ran this competition, somebody actually got it to That's the right. last hundred or was it a thousandth, right? So guys, look out for competition and make sure you play on our social media handles. And said person did that a week in advance to qualifying. Uh, you've only got a couple of days. Give it a shot. Let's see what happens. Remember, only for Indian residents, but you can give it a shot. Try and win the bag. Link down to our social media handles in the description. But sprint qualifying canal. Normally at Monza, we end up seeing this weird circumstance where nobody wants to be the first person to go out on track. Do you reckon this will be a bit less prominent now that we have another chance for you to redeem your way up in the qualifying positions in terms of sprint qualifying it, it will be good in a way if it happens of course to see those shenanigans taken away a little bit you know i get this feeling that the toe being ever so powerful at monza mm -hmm. the drivers will always want to get the benefit of that now mercedes has released data which said that in 2020 the toe was worth up to seven tenths on a single lap which means that, you know, if, if you're in the midfield, you would rely on the toe to get you up a little more in sprint qualifying and then you up to start the race higher up in the race. So if anything, I'm going to look out for Friday afternoon traffic in Monza because I'm pretty sure it's going to happen. And, you know, we've seen classic, you know, drivers, uh, of course, Bottas may not now be having a say in it, but we've seen Bottas and Hamilton having this thing of who goes out first. They've been pretty vocal about it. Even the last time around, you know, the Haas drivers have been involved into saying he's supposed to go first and I'm supposed to get the toe and so on. So teams will hopefully prioritize their number one drivers. And technically, there's just two teams with number one drivers, but let's let's see how it goes. But I definitely think, Samuel, that the toe will be something to look out for this weekend in qualifying. And then, of course, the slipstreaming effect. And Sebastian Vettel said this a couple of days ago that, you know, slipstreaming effect is powerful. Overtaking is fairly more straightforward at Monza. So these two things is what I think will end up playing a big part this weekend, obviously, because, you know, Monza is more straights than corners, like we all know.
Exactly. Objectively, then, we could be in for a very fun F1 sprint race. Let's put it that way. The first time, eh, it was good for the first 10, 12 odd minutes. But what this does is generally offer us a chance to look at it unbiased, right? I mean, the first time, there's always excitement with the first time. And it's only after a couple of weeks we get to understand what the truth of it really is. So there's this one that's going to be into Lagos later on. And if you're not aware of what sprint qualifying is yet, we did a special episode on it right here on Pitch the Podium. So you can check that out on the top right hand corner but at the top of the field Kunar importantly there is a great battle going on it, it, it's hard to believe that it's round 14 in the Verstappen versus Hamilton battle right now and there's this genuine air of uncertainty isn't there that we have no clue of which one of those teams is going to be the one dominating at Monza because the momentum from Zandvoort would suggest Red Bull but this is just the opposite of Zandvoort everything you could ask for over there is just not here you know, again, it goes back to a word that we've been using or back to us, uh, you know, two, two words that we've been using all season, which is finer margins. That's what's going to define Red Bull versus Mercedes for the 14th time this season. And, you know, we're going to have 22 rounds of this battle uh, in 2021. At least we hope that COVID doesn't take away some more of these races. It's already cost us one race. And my mind actually goes to how we are defining this as round 14. You know, it sounds like a boxing match between two rivals. But even a boxing match, I think you go about 12 rounds and not more, at least in the Olympics, if my Google tells me the right thing. You know, I'm not a boxing expert, as you guys would probably know. But finer margins... Uh, different, completely, you know, opposite track characteristics from Sanfurt to Monza. Uh, you know, going into Sanfurt, everyone thought it'll be advantage Mercedes, advantage Red Bull Racing. Going into Monza, again, you know, everyone thinks that the low drag requirements of Monza will favor the Mercedes cars. But, you know, I, I think momentum is on, Merced on, on Red Bull side, as is Max Verstappen's. And I get this feeling that you know, they realize that if they pull things ahead in the next couple of races, then Mercedes will end up playing catch up even more so. And Mercedes has barely ever done that in their entire history, right? Wait, have they ever done that? They haven't ever played catch up. Well, maybe once to Sebastian Vettel 2017, but that disintegrated very quickly after the second half. So this is a unique circumstance for them to be in. But a word on the second drivers, Kunal, before we move on to discussing the other exciting things about this weekend. Bottas and Perez, there's never more an important time for them to shine over here because Monza, probably the most important circuit in terms of a drafting partner. Both of them are not in the championship fight. Both of them are realistically only there in that battle for P3. And both of them recently have not had the best of weekends. Bottas, of course, the best that he could do. But still, if there's one time where Sergio Perez needs to shine, it's here. And recently, his form has been a bit, bit off, let's put it that way. You know, wingmans, rear gunmans, all those words mm -hmm. have been used. They will continue to be used. Um, at the end of the day, if their teammates can help them strategically in their, in their title battles, Verstappen and Hamilton will take it, you know, with both hands. Uh, you know, they'll take it hands down. But at the end of the day, they realize that if the title has to be won, it has to be won on their talent, on their merit, on their performances. So yes, uh, Botas and Perez uh, both need to step up and play the team game. Botas, of course, is departing for Alfa Romeo next season. Uh, you know, and like you said, Perez has not had the most 
uh, amazing of runs uh, in the last four or five races. So I'll be eager to see how they're able to do that. And, you know, you started the episode even talking of Pierre Gasly. He comes here as the previous race winner. So can Red Bull try and see if they can leverage Pierre Gasly as a wingman should Perez not step up? Just that, you know, they wanted him to be doing this while he was racing for Red Bull. But maybe now he can do that while racing for an Alpha Tauri. And it is the home race for Alpha Tauri as well, Samal. Indeed it is. There's all this going on with them. And we shall speak about the midfield in a little bit more depth in a couple of seconds. But now, it's time for some quality. It's time for the stats preview by Sundaram coming up right here. And there's some fun ones right here. And, and if you can... See the video as well. He's also donning a Ferrari t-shirt. He's also joining along with the trend. You know what to do, guys. It's a third reminder. Predict now. Let's go for it. All right. It's time to talk speed because we're going to be doing the stats preview of the Italian Grand Prix. Now, the first ever Italian Grand Prix was held back in 1921. And this weekend, we're going to be celebrating 100 years since that first event. Now, I don't know if there are any celebrations in store uh, on Sunday uh, or through the weekend, but we should definitely keep an eye out for that. The Italian Grand Prix and the British Grand Prix are the only two events that have hosted a Formula 1 race every year since the sport first came into being in 1950. And the Monza circuit has hosted the most Formula 1 races, uh, most Formula 1 races of any other circuit, 70 over the course of all these decades. And only once did Monza not host the Italian Grand Prix, which is back in 1980. That year, the, the event was shifted to Imola for that season because Monza was undergoing a major upgrade in terms of renovation. Now, Monza being a very historic circuit, we've seen several iconic and memorable moments over the course of all these years. In 1956, Peter Collins, who was a championship contender, willingly gave away his car to his rival and teammate, Juan Manuel Fangio, so that he could just go away and win, and win the title because his car broke down during the course of the race. Uh, something that's something that's very strange. You wouldn't expect you to do that for your rival, but Peter Collins did that. And Fangio did win the championship that year. And Collins was later heard saying that I'm too young to be the world champion. And I really believe that Fangio deserves to, to win it. Unfortunately, Collins never won uh, the championship in his career after that. So... Yeah, that's it's a very, very strange story, that one. And in 1971, we witnessed the shortest ever winning margin in Formula 1 history, a record that still stands 50 years later. Peter Gethins uh, won that race ahead of Ronnie Peterson by a margin of just 0.01 seconds. And the top five were separated by just 600 of a second uh, at the finish line. In 1999, you would have seen Mika Hakkinen sobbing by the side of the track because he crashed out from the lead of the, uh, from the, lead of the race. Or you would certainly remember Sebastian Vettel winning the 2000 and 2008 race, uh, driving a Toro Rosso to become the youngest ever race winner in Formula 1 at the time. Very interestingly, Ferrari as an engine supplier have won just one race uh, for a team other than Scuderia Ferrari, and that was Toro Rosso in 2008. So, yeah, that is a very interesting one when I pulled this out. Now, let's talk about this weekend then. Lewis Hamilton could break a couple of records this weekend. First of all, the record for the most fastest laps at any one circuit. He is tied with Michael Schumacher for seven fastest laps at one circuit. Uh, Hamilton has done it at Monza. Schumacher has done it at, at Barcelona. And this weekend, he could take his eighth fastest lap at this very circuit. 
Uh, and we all we already know about his his century of wins that is looming since several several races. And the Tifo C would obviously not want him to do it at uh, this particular venue, but that's also on the cards. And Lewis Hamilton is currently uh, has currently accumulated three thousand nine hundred and ninety nine point five points, uh, and he just needs half a point to get past the four thousand points mark, and that's very much possible this weekend. All right. Lastly, we have to talk about Max Verstappen and Red Bull. Max Verstappen has never finished higher than fifth at the Italian Grand Prix, and Red Bull has not won this race since 2013. Now, but going by their form and how they have been breaking all sorts of records and all sort of fat, all sorts of patterns this year, it's very much possible that we could hear the Austrian anthem at the end of the race on Sunday. Well, that was the stats preview of the Italian Grand Prix. I'm really craving some pizza right now, so I'll catch you guys for the Russian Grand Prix. Ah, uh, this guy really. What can I say? There's a reason why he calls himself F1 Stats Guru, and it's not just he who calls himself F1 Stats Guru. I think all of us do as well right now. Just insane. But also reminder again. This is again. I've said it again twice. Again, I've said it again. Okay. Uh, point is, it's also a home race for Alfa Romeo, not just Ferrari. And we we will get to Ferrari in a second, Canal. But what a livery Alfa Romeo have got! It reminds me of uh, Francesco from Cars 2. Literally looks like the same thing now. It's amazing. It does. It does. And you know, nothing like nationalistic pride. I remember when we had the tricolor on the Force India car. It used to just look gorgeous each each time. And yes, Alfa Romeo. We often tend to forget, but you know, they have a lot of history connected to Monza, a lot of history connected to Italy, of course, and to Formula One. So, uh, and they have made a new driver announcement in Valtteri Bottas. So that's. Uh, that's something uh, that's uh, you know going to make news this weekend and somil i have to ask you we've not really spoken driver announcements mm-hmm. things are pretty straightforward things yeah. are pretty expected but who do you think will partner valtteri bottas at alfa romeo racing in 2022 first things first you know a man is living in scandinavia when he says bottas his name like that it, it, it is perfect the pronunciation but uh, According to recent rumors and me being a football fan I tend to divulge too much into rumors by the way it it seemingly is going to be Guan Yu Zhou because when someone's bringing in 30 million euros in the background it's hard to deny him and that's been the case with so many of the driver transfers right recently we've seen Nicolas Latifi do something similar we've seen so many other pay drivers <coughs> but yes uh, the point is when money comes calling for a team like Alfa Romeo who already have one reliable driver i doubt they will go beyond there but there's some real credibility with Nick De Vries formula 2 champion formula e champion it's outstanding uh, when the door is closed on you the best thing you can do is to go out there and break the door down and that's what Nick De Vries has done it's super but can all your takes it it surely is in robert kubitsa as he is this weekend <laughs> as he is this weekend yes i i don't think his sponsors are going to be paying 30 million or <laughs> reportedly the 30 million that Juan Yu Zhou's sponsors are ready to pay but i'm going to make a list You, we've already spoken of Juan Yu Zhou and That's Nick right. De Vries there is Nikita Mazepin because you know he's put up some nm99 on instagram so everyone believes his money bags could go to uh, alfa romeo and let's remember his you know his his father's not bought into haas uh, unlike stroll or you know anyone else so what if he could just take his uh, you know money to go uh, to to alfa romeo racing for all you know right then there is nico halkenberg we all know what halkenback did last year antonio giovinazzi 
seemingly out of favor because it is the Italian Grand Prix. If there was any time to announce a renewal with an Italian driver at a race, which you are supposedly going to call your home race because you're Alfa Romeo racing, it would be the Italian Grand Prix. So if I, if I put on my Sherlock Holmes hat, it seems like, you know, Giovinazzi is definitely out of favor. And then, of course, the, the outside chance of Callum Eilert, you know, the other Ferrari junior who's, you know, who did fairly well in Formula 2. He was second to, to Mick Schumacher last year. And he's, of course, you know, announced he's doing some IndyCar racing this year onwards. But yeah, these are the six drivers, at least within, within the public eye view, that are vying for that seat. And it is going to be a bidding war, as we've been hearing on, on uh, or, or we've been reading, uh, you know, from paddock journalists, Samuel. And to me, all of this also, you know, Mark Hughes has put it out, out there with Albin signing for a Mercedes-powered Williams racing team. Is it something that's indicating about a shift in power dynamics, a shift in pol- a shift in politics from Mercedes being the strongest of these now going onwards to Red Bull and the likes? It could, you know, it's it's always a political game, and could teams now be getting into this unspoken coalition to sort of, you know, uh, keep Mercedes's power, uh, you know, equation in check? Maybe Alfa Romeo, you know, they've hired a Mercedes driver right now even though they are a Ferrari power team, but, you know, could they go and hire another driver, you know, which is an Alpine driver? Because imagine, uh, you know, if they were to not take Mercedes's offer for Nick DeFries and the like. So I would love to see Nick DeFries, you know, seems very fitting Formula 2 champion the year before George Russell, Formula E champion and now being promoted to show his talent in, in Formula 1. But let's see, it's money and power both at play when it comes to deciding who's going to take that that final uh, seat at Alfa Romeo. But another question to you, who, you know, from the new announcements that have come in, come in place, who is the one driver or paddock personality you want to hear the most from this weekend, Samuel? Uh, that's a good one. Not George Russell. We know the cliche answers he's going to give. We, we, all, we all love George Russell. But sometimes you know what they're going to say. Simple and effective is the way to go. And that's what they're doing. So that, that's, not, that's not entertaining enough for me. Even Albon will be here. I'm grateful. I'm glad to the Williams team. I'm glad to Red Bull for letting me go. Of course, power dynamic changing. And we already knew that Williams, under the new ownership, would be less reliant on Mercedes. That was one of their primary aims. So there's a bit of that. Who I want to hear from... I, no, not sure to be honest, Kunal. <laughs> that, that, because that that creates a personal rant that I will not go on. Basically, what I mean to say is drivers these days are becoming PR robots, and there is no character left in situations like this. So uh, that's another issue. But indeed, yeah, lots of chopping and changing going around. Uh, before we move on to discussing Ferrari, McLaren, and the likes, how glad are you to see Alex Albon back in Kunal? And, and thankfully, this time in an emerging team like Williams, where the pressure, let's say, would be a little bit less, right? And, and you need it for drivers like Albon, who've come in from a very tumultuous stint, in a way. You know, Albon, him being back, power dynamics... I would love to hear Toto Wolf's reaction on Albin being signed because even though, you know, Wolf very clearly said he doesn't mind Albin being signed to a Mercedes power team as long as he lets go of his relationship with Red Bull, which oh. is a little gray area types. You know, Red Bull and Albin, ha- you know, Albin has thanked them. Red Bull has congratulated him. but And they've said, you know, and we're open to future opportunities should that arise, which I think is entirely fair, right? So, for me, Toto Wolf is who I want to hear specifically about Albin driving a Mercedes-powered team while still also having links to Red Bull Racing. 
and he's of course linked to the other owners of Red Bull Racing, which is why he's here where he is. But yes, Albin coming back alongside Latifi, they've partnered each other before. Uh, always good to see junior talent up there. You know, Red Bull's having what seven or eight drivers from their academy. Uh, you know, on the grid in 2022. The irony is, of course, that you know Red Bull have four cars, four cars, and I say that again, four cars on the grid, and they still needed a fifth cockpit to place another promising driver in their own board. So that's a bit of an irony, irony for me, Samuel. I found <clears> the answer. I want to hear from Martin Bushkowski, Bushkowski, or how he's pronounced. I'm sorry if I butchered it, but he we is... can just say Kowalski. <laughs> Not really, no. But, but I want to hear from Martin, the I think the head of Renault, or one of the three heads at Renault. Again, it's a weird power structure there, but they have a grand total of three drivers in Formula 2 and no seat because they've decided to hire an old 40-year-old driver and someone who is who's in the getting into the prime of their career. So I don't know what's going on there. Maybe the entire academy was a waste at the end of the deal. So more on that later on. But let's actually uh, speak about a team who's also potentially going to face a bit of an academy situation in a couple of years. It's going to be Ferrari. And Ferrari are now at home, literally the most comfortable they can be, at least in terms of atmosphere. But they're up against McLaren. And last year, Kunal, yes, McLaren were second under weird circumstances, but there was a great degree of pace and potential now. They've got an even faster engine here at Monza. Things could be looking bright for them. I mean, now that they've dropped back down, one might say momentum is with Ferrari. But no, I think this could be where things change out. This could be where things could change. And, you know, in the last three races, Lando Norris has scored one point, which is probably his worst start since like two seasons or something, right? So for seeing Lando and McLaren back in action, regaining the momentum and taking the fight to Ferrari is key. And, you know, we've had a few of our viewers and listeners, right, saying that McLaren are the faster team, but they're not scoring with both drivers, while Ferrari are scoring consistently with both their drivers. And I think that's the battle that we're going to see. And it, of course, pains to see Ricardo where he is, but We've spent a lot of airtime discussing just how much we want Ricardo to start performing as well. So I think it's advantage McLaren, I hope. And I really hope it's advantage Ricardo as well. Because, you know, seeing him up there, regaining confidence in that, you know, different to drive McLaren will definitely enliven the whole battle for P3 as well. Because, you know, at the end of the day, even though I'm wearing a Ferrari t-shirt right now, I don't really care who finishes P3 so long as there's a fight for it. And that's what I would love to see with all four drivers of both these teams engaged in a battle. That honestly sounds like most of the students at college, right? We don't care who wins as long as we get to see a fight in the college campus. But this is Formula 1. We're all here to watch the fighting. And this is fun. Now you have this dynamic where Ricardo is suddenly the one with more momentum. Ferrari have two drivers performing consistently. And you somewhat get why Binotto says they have the best lineup. I think the word he was using for is the most balanced but I, I don't know if anyone's going to tell him. Either way, the pressure is on Ferrari. The onus is on them to deliver. And we normally know what happens when the onus is on Ferrari to deliver. So don't have many high expectations and don't put their lifetime as the one who you think is going to win in the prediction competition this time. But finally, Kanal, before we depart, a word on wildcards, a word on Pierre Gasly. You mentioned him early on in the episode and indeed, he was the winner right here last season. And the Alpha Tauri did look like a very good car. Again, unusual circumstances, but you can't deny the fact that he kept behind so many other top midfield cars. 
and Gasly again on a good run of form after Zandvoort. Is he going to be your wildcard pick for this weekend? I know he's mine. He he is mine as well. Uh, home home race for the team. He's again found fantastic momentum. Uh, I know Sundaram does a lot of stats and he's brilliant at it. My little bits of stats and pieces that I picked up and I'm going to share two of them. One on Pierre Gasly and the second, which is a non-Formula 1 stat, right? Yeah. Before we end the show. Pierre Gasly is after, uh, I would say, in the last three races. I'm going to repeat that. So in the last three races, Pierre Gasly has scored the third most number of points after Max Verstappen and Lewis Hamilton. So he literally has been on a point scoring spree and I would love to see him extend that with the bulk of points this season as well. So that's my Gasly stat. And my non-Formula 1 stat actually, and I'm going to say this every year, every time we do the Italian Grand Prix review sommel, is my favorite race at Monza was in 2017. It wasn't a Formula 1 race. It was a race called as Breaking 2, uh -huh. which Olympic champion and marathon runner Kiporchke actually tried to run the marathon distance under two hours. He eventually went only 25 seconds over, right? But that was one phenomenal race. And that's that's one race I would literally keep repeating each time somebody says, what's your best race at Monza? I'll be like, go see man versus time using the, the shoe technology that he was trying to use to break through that two-minute barrier, two-hour barrier. Wowee. And the last I saw things, somebody actually did that. And those records are just going to be broken down. See, Hamilton's broken Hamilton, Hamilton's broken Schumacher's record. Somebody someday might, broke, might break Sachin Tendulkar's record. The two-hour barrier has been broken for the marathons. What's next? Are we ever going to go down to the one-minute nines for qualifying at Monza? Who knows? Let's wait and watch. Well, that's it from us right here, folks, on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium. Call me a broken tape recorder. Links down below for the prediction competition. Take part in the next couple of days and predict the poll time. Who knows, you might be the one winning that red beautiful Puma bag. That'll look good with the kind of shirt that Kunal's wearing right now. So there's that. And folks, join us for the race review right here on the Inside Line F1 podcast and Pitch the Podium. Lots to discuss, lots of fun coming up right there. So see you folks. Have a good weekend. Enjoy F1 Sprint and see you in a couple of days. Thank you.